Yes, God, what can we say, what can we do but give our heart to you tonight, Lord? As we come before you and worship you, God, Lord, we just want to lay our lives and surrender to you. And as we stand before you and lift our hands up, God, it's all giving you our heart and our life over to you. Lord Jesus, you are our Yahweh Nisi, our Lord, our banner, the Lord, our victory, God. And I pray, God, that your desire would be my desire, that you replace, Lord, what, I've, what I want done with wanting your will tonight, God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would empty us of ourselves, God, that we would make room for your Holy Spirit to fill us today. So bless your word, God. Anoint this study, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. If you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 for our study tonight. We are going to continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke, and we're going to actually continue our four-part study on the temptation of Jesus. And so tonight we're going to do how to win against temptation. Guess what? Part two, because we did part one last week. We're going to be studying verse 2 through verse 4 tonight in Luke chapter 4. And remember how we got into this passage. Uh, It was after Jesus' baptism, which was the official start of his ministry. And the first thing he did, remember we learned last time, first thing he did was he went to battle the devil in temptation. And we saw last time as a subtitle that this was the opportunity for victory. Jesus won against the devil and against the temptation. With that, we we can learn from that, right? And that's why we're going through this study. And and if you missed it, you can catch the podcast or uh, catch the YouTube uh, video on our YouTube channel and you can catch that. Now, before we get into our passage, understand this, that as believers in Christ, we are in a battle, right? We're in a spiritual battle every day. From when you wake up to you go to bed, there's a constant battle with the devil, with his demons, trying to tempt us to sin and to fall into sin. It's a battle there, and he, he wants to destroy us. So just keep that in mind as we learn from Jesus and what he's done. And one other thing I want you to understand that is to be tempted, temptation is not a sin, is not a sin. Here we're studying the temptation of Jesus, actually three of them he was tempted with, the three temptations, the first, uh, first one we're going to see tonight. But remember, Jesus is sinless, right? There is no sin in him, and he got tempted, so temptation is not considered sin. It's when you fall, uh, and you fall into that tem- temptation, fall to that temptation, you sin, that's a, that's a sin there. So understand that um, that temptation is not a sin. I like something uh, Frederick P. Wood said, temptation is not a sin, it is a call to battle. And I love that. So when the temptation comes, it's a call for us to battle, to get going, to, to fight this and what Satan is trying to do. And we understand it's a real battle too. It can be a struggle, it can be hard. Temptation is a real battle. I read about a man who was trying to lose weight and decided then to not drive past his favorite bakery on the way to the office every day. No more pastries, no more donuts, no more cupcakes and all that, cupcakes and all that. But then one morning he showed up with a box of goodies 
when he arrived at the office, and everyone's wondering, wait, wait, I thought you were on this diet, you know, I thought you, you, you know, what is this you're holding here? Well, he started to explain that when he was driving, he wasn't thinking, he ended up taking this old route to work. And when he realized what had happened, he thought, well, maybe this is a sign from the Lord. So he told everyone, he said, so I told the Lord that when I drive past the bakery, that if there's a parking spot right out there in front, then I know it's a sign from you. Well, he goes on to say, the funny thing is, on the eighth time around the block, there was that parking spot. Yes, right? Right, you guys, it's a battle. It's a real battle going on. Well, tonight we're going to see the battle that Jesus had with the devil in his first temptation. And we're going to learn. He gives us an example on how to win against temptation. Again, that's our title, part two. Uh, Luke 4, verses 2 and 4, just a few verses here. And our subtitle tonight is this. Live by the word and not by your wants. Live by the word and not by your wants. Our outline tonight is this, number one, the place of weakness. Number two, the pressure from the devil. And number three, the position to uphold. And I'll give those to you as we go and you'll see it on the screen. Well, let's begin with number one in our outline, the place of weakness. The place of weakness. So we're going to go to verse two now. Last time we did see a little bit of this, but let's read it again. Verse two, Luke chapter four, it says, For forty days, being tempted by the devil... And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. So we'll stop right there. So we know if we back up, we begin by, let's back up just a touch. It says in verse 1 that the Spirit led him, right? Led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So he's in the wilderness. He's in that barren, desolate place we talked about, that desert, uninhabited, all alone. And here's Jesus led into the wilderness, and he was there 40 days. And for 40 days, it, it, it reads here that he was tempted by the devil. Now, we don't know exactly what that temptation was. But we do know the three that are coming up and the one tonight we're going to study. And these are probably the worst, the most intense of all the temptations, I would say. But uh, it, it just it seems like, though, that this is what the main things that we're going to see that the devil used against Jesus. So he's there 40 days. And he ate nothing during those days. So what does that mean? He's fasting, right? Probably fasting in prayer, you know, going before the Lord in that way. So he's fasting for 40 days. He ate nothing those days. And when they ended, when it came to 40, the end of 40 days, it says here, he was hungry. Well, you can imagine not eating for 40 days, right? Jesus was alone. He was, he was really hungry at this point after 40 days. And think about this. This is when the devil came with the most intense temptation when he was hungry, when, when he needed food. Now, understand something here. You can survive without water for maybe three days, maybe three days the most. You can survive without food maybe uh, all the way to the 40 days. The first three to five days, you, after three, three to five days, you lose your hunger, actually. Your body goes into what is called ketosis, which, which means that the body begins to draw energy from the stored fat. And so it can still survive, still go on, and, and it draws that energy. So, yeah, so, so after three to five days, you kind of lose that hunger. But then when you reach from day 35 into day 40, the hunger returns. But when the hunger returns, the body is, 
is really crying out, saying, I'm hungry, you got to get food, because it's literally the body is starving to death at that point. As the body has run out of the fat storage, it begins to draw now uh, energy from organs, from vital organs. And it's all, it goes into this automatic priority to save the brain. So think about Jesus. He hit the 40-day mark. And when it says he was hungry, hungry, he was hungry. He was starving to death. I mean, this was a critical moment for his physical well-being. And think about it. It was at this point, we're going to see in the next verse, it was at this point in his weakest state, the devil came with the most intense temptations, all of them. But particularly this one is, 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 is the meanest, I think, with, with what we're, he's going to be saying. So here's the first thing I want you to learn tonight. Number one is that temptations come when you are at your weakest moment. I mean, they could come anytime, but, but I'll tell you, the devil's going to look for your weakest moment. Temptations comes when you're at your weakest moment, and the most severe intense one's going to come at your weakest moment. You know, um, many times when I go grocery grocery shopping with my wife, I mean, she has our list, and, you know, we have our budget, we have our list we go through and everything, right? And suddenly she'll turn around and go, how did that get in the cart, <laughs> right? And, and then, you know, go a little, a little ways longer, and I sneak something else. Oh, and, and what is that now, you know? How did that get in a cart, too? And, and she always says, you know, whenever I go with her, we spend more money. Well, I have to confess. The reason is because I fall to temptation. You know why? I don't follow the rule. You should never go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Because <laughs> everything looks good, right? And you want to buy this, and all of a sudden you're thinking about this, you know. Especially for me, you know, when we go down the chip aisle. Now, my wife is more the sweet tooth, chocolate, and all that. But me, uh, my temptation is chips. Barbecue chips. Really good barbecue chips. And yeah, and sometimes there's in a cart four four bags. Oh, but it was on sale, you know, two four four ninety nine, whatever that is, right? And all. So I know what's better for me is I must eat before I go groceries to the grocery store because if I don't, I'm very vulnerable to temptation, and that's the place of my weakness. So you guys watch out, because Satan knows temptations will come when you're at your weakest moment. The, the, the devil, he's, he studies you. He can see. He, he knows your weakness is there. And, and he'll wait. And he'll look for those times. And time is attack and throwing that uh, temptation in your place of weakness. Think about that. Think back. When you've been tempted the worst, when, 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 when it's coming at you and, oh, you know. Think about Isn't that true? It's a place. It's a time of weakness. You know, sometimes Monday is, is a, a time of weakness for me. I, it's after a weekend studying and church and kind of tired and, uh, or, or, you know, after retreat weekend or something, Monday's like, oh, downtime, you get the rest. But then I put down my guard, I'm tired. And it seems like a lot of times I get attacked on, uh, at, during those times and, and I give in to it. Sometimes, I, I, like some Mondays, I'm like, why, am, why do I feel so like, discouraged and depressed. It was a great weekend, but I feel like there's this, there's this attack and oppression and temptation to give into that. So be aware, you guys. Be aware when you're at your weakest moment, 
Do not let your guard down. I'll tell you again, the, the devil, he studies you. He knows. He's watching. He's waiting. He's waiting for that moment. You know, some of you, the place of weakness maybe is when you come home from work. You're tired, yeah? Oh, oh you had a long day and, you, you know, and all that. And you just, you know, and, and, and that could be it. Some of you, maybe it is when you're hungry. <laughs> you know, when you come home hungry and you're a little more susceptible, you know, for people and things to irritate you. You better get some food then, yeah? Maybe your place of weakness is disappointment. Yeah? Disappointment happens. You're like, ah. And then you feel like, ah, forget. And then you're susceptible to be tempted to not do what God likes. Or maybe when you're alone with the wrong person. Sometimes that, that's a, a weak place too. So think of when that is. Think of where that is. Think about this. What situation maybe makes you weak? Yeah? makes you weak in whatever you're tempted with. What's your weakest moments? I think it's important. Make a note. Think about it. Uh, because write it down because that, that's that place. Yeah? And if you can prepare and be on your guard, then you, you can know and you can know how to win against temptation. So let's go on here. The, now, we've seen the place of weakness. Now in verse 3, the pressure from the devil. Verse 3, number 2 in our outline, is the pressure from the devil. Verse 3 now, the devil said to him, so the devil comes to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And we'll stop right there. So here's the devil. He comes at the opportune time for him. It's his strategy. It's his tactic. Jesus is super hungry. He got to eat or he's going to die. So here comes the devil with this temptation. Yeah? So he throws it out to him says, Hey, if you are the Son of God, you know, command. Command. You know, turn. If you're God here, turn the, 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 bread, the stone into bread here. Now, here we see two ways that the devil applies pressure on Jesus in this situation he's in. And the first thing is this. The devil, uh, he'll use what's in your power to save yourself. That's what the devil's doing here. Use what's in your power to save yourself. That's what he's saying to Jesus. You know, come on, Jesus. Use your power there. Save yourself here. Look, he's saying, look, if you're the son of God, right, and you have that power, you know what? If you're really God then use that ability in hand to turn the stones into bread. Why not? Yeah? Why not do that? You have the, the power right there. I don't know if you remember um, some Jesus movies or, or some kids' cartoons and stuff, and they, they're portraying, portraying the, the temptation of Jesus here with the stones. And I, I just remember, you know, the, the scene, Jesus looks at the stone and the devil saying this, and then, and then you see the stone like kind of, turn into this bread like like you know like an image of bread like jesus is going yeah bread you know oh yeah yeah you know that kind of thing and you can imagine i mean he's hungry you know and everything he's really hungry haven't eaten for 40 days here but isn't that the way it is i mean if you're hungry huh? imagine right he's this hungry anything will look good as long as you can eat it right you come home you find whatever you can in the house when you're really hungry so think about jesus and the devil's like, hey, use your power. The devil's saying, use what's in your power to save yourself. I mean, you know what he's saying? Starve and die or eat and live. Come on. So the pressure in this temptation is to use what's in his power 
to rectify, to solve the situation he's in. That's the idea. Do, do you see that? Hey, Jesus, you have that, you know, in your power. Hey, well, use what's in your power and solve this. Rectify, solve the situation that you're in. You know what I was thinking about in Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter 13, you remember King Saul was instructed by Samuel the prophet to wait for Samuel to come and Samuel will do the sacrifice to the Lord, offer the sacrifice, and then Saul and his army can go and fight the enemy. And Saul, uh, Samuel said, look, I'll, I'll be there in seven days. So Saul waited and Saul waited. Seven, the seventh day came and he's like, where's, where's Samuel? Forget, I got the knife. There's a sacrifice, you know, there's a cow. I'm going to go sacrifice myself. So he did it. And right after that, what happened? Samuel shows up like, what are you doing? I told you to wait for me, right? So that was a temptation for Saul, right? He had the means. He could do it. He's not a priest, but hey, I can do it. I can, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We need to go, you know. And I think he was stressed out. He, he told Samuel, like, well, the people were all anxious. They want to go and, you know, everything. And, but you know what? Samuel's like, hey, you know because of what you've done? You lost the kingdom to David. Saul gave in to that temptation. I mean, he had the means, but he was supposed to wait. So there's pressure there in temptation. The devil applies this pressure really by saying, use what's in your power to save yourself. But there's a second thing I see here. The devil says, hey, the father wouldn't want you to die like this. Right? Hey, the Father wouldn't, the Heavenly Father, you wouldn't want you to die like this. Now, remember, Satan says, hey, if you're the Son of God, right? Now, my mind goes to back to chapter 3. Remember the baptism of Jesus? And if you look at verse 22 in uh, Luke chapter 3, it says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, right? So the father's voice, hey, you're my beloved son, right? And this is the father. And so you you see the father's care and all of that. So it's like Satan saying, hey, since Jesus is, you're you're the precious son, you know what? The father would, he, he, he would know that you, this is the right thing to do. This would be the right thing to do. Turn the stones into bread. I mean, you got to live. So the pressure in this temptation is to presume to do what the Father would say anyway. Eat. Yeah? It's not a bad thing. You need this to live. Your body's starving itself to death. You're going to die if you don't eat. So come on. In. You're, you're the precious son. The Father would say, hey, hey, that, that's okay. It's a good thing. But understand, you guys, this is a tactic of Satan. This is a tactic of of the devil. He's done this before. Remember back in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan came to Eve in the garden? And he said to her, Hey, did God really say you can't eat of every tree in the garden? I mean, I mean, that's that's not what he means, you know. I mean, you surely won't die. Remember when we studied that? You know, it, it, Satan's like, oh, come on. You know, it, it's, it's all right. Satan's words were to get Eve to presume, assume what God wants or said about the situation eating the fruit. 
It's the same tactic going on here. The devil tries to pressure Jesus by assuming the father would never have his beloved son die like this. So all this is, look, Jesus, this is the right thing to do. Use your power and fix the problem. I want you to notice one thing here too, one other thing. Notice this. This temptation, right, we see in verse 3. This temptation is, is what I call temptation specific to Jesus. It's tailored to him. It's custom. It's specifically made. Satan knows Jesus is God, right? Hey, use your power. You can do this. You, you, you're God. You can create. You can, you can turn things to something else. You know, you can heal. You can all do that. Well, why don't you do this? Use your power. Satan knows that he's loved by the Father. Hey, the Father wouldn't want you to start. So you see, all this is temptation specific to Jesus. And that's what the devil does. He knows how to work things to make it look like it's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I can do it. I get the ability. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. But is it? Listen to what uh, Bruce Barton said in his commentary. Satan often works that way, persuading people to take action, even right action, for the wrong reason or at the wrong time. Think about that for a moment. Isn't that true? We can be tempted. Maybe it's not a bad thing to do, but it's not the right time. Or maybe it, it is the wrong thing. It's, a, it's okay, but it's the wrong thing to do at, at that time, maybe. He goes on and says, Many people sin by attempting to fulfill legitimate desires outside of God's will or ahead of His time table. Isn't that good? I mean, I don't know how many times I got in the head of God and did, did things, you know. Where I thought, no, I, yeah, I'm going to do it, God. But it, it wasn't His timing. It wasn't His will. How many times do we get in trouble in that way? So look, this is the pressure from the devil in how temptations are customized for you to take matters into your own hands. And this is the second thing I want you to see. This is the second thing to learn here. Temptations are customized for you to take matters into your own hands. That's what all this is about. Hey, Jesus. That's what he's manipulating the devil is trying to get Jesus to do. Pressure him into doing like, hey, hey, Jesus. Yeah, do it, do it. Come on, come on. Yeah, God. The father would be okay with that. You know, all that. You, you got the means, yeah. We got to watch out. You know, if my wife, who I care deeply about, comes to me with some problem or something, you know, I do what I can to always fix it, to always solve the problem. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fixer, you could say. It could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. If the car's having her car's having problems, well, I'll, I'll get there and fix it. I got to make sure, you know, she's okay, right? If something going on with her computer, oh, yeah, yeah, like, here, here, let me take care of it. Let me, okay, you got to do this, 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 and that'll do it. If appliance is broken, it's not working for her. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll fix it for you. I'll take care of it. I'll do all that. You know, if, if she's having a hard time with the kids, okay, okay, I'm going to go and fix them. No, but anyway, <laughs> right? 
But I, I don't know about you, but, but that, that's kind of like me. I don't know if it's a guy thing or it's just me and my personality. Or I, Hey, bring me a problem. Maybe it's a pastor thing. Oh, you got a problem? Okay, I'm going to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it, fix it. And I, and I do that with that. my wife. Now, one time, my wife came to me about some struggles she was having. And I came back, well, you should do, number one, do this. Number two, do this. Number three, do this. Number four, do this. And I had this whole thing, my outline, you know, and everything. And I gave it to her. And you know what she told me? She stopped me. I said, wait, wait. She goes, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. And all of a sudden, I, I, that, that stopped me. That made me think, wait, wait, what am I doing? You know, I'm just re- re- reacting here, you know. I'm not thinking about what's going on. I'm just thinking, no, I gotta fix this, 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 fix this. And sometimes it's like, well, I got so many things to do. I gotta take care of this and go on to the next. Take care of this. And then the time where she just wanted me to listen, I was like, okay, I'll take care of that and go on to this. I wasn't really listening. And you know what? I wasn't listening to what God wants me to do. Is that you? I think we can be spiritually impulsive people. I mean, I think we make it easy for the devil to tempt us, you know, in that way. Think about this. What, 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 what is that temptation-specific thing for you? We're all, we're all different, you know. What trips us up, what, what, how the devil can grab us and, you know, you know pull us and tempt us and, and all that. What is that temptation-specific thing? What is that ways that, that, that where you, you'll just jump right in and, and take matters into your own hands? Think about that. Be aware of that, you guys. Me, I'm, I'm like, okay, i got to solve this, but oh, wait. i got to listen to God here. How does he want me to do this? Uh, what, does he want me to just be quiet and listen? Does he want me to just, just stop for now? Don't be pressured. It, it, you know, like you have to do something. You've got to run into, you know, don't, you know what? Don't listen to these convincing arguments either. Think about this. The devil came to Jesus and Hey, look at look! You're the son of God. Use your power. Hey, you're the son of God, the Father. Hey, He looks at you. It's very precious. Don't even listen to those convincing arguments. Watch out, because the devil plays on your ability and sensibility to tell you what you want to hear. He knows how to get that to you. You read something, or someone tells you something, or you, or you hear something, or something. Oh yeah, 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 and it only feeds into. Taking matters into your own hands. Watch out. Watch out. You know what we need to do? Seek God, right? Go and seek God. Listen to what God is saying. Listen to God, not the devil. Right? I mean, this is obvious here, right? The devil saying this to Jesus, something not right. The devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. Right? His name means accuser, slander, so he wants to trip you up and then, then point the finger at, at you, right? Why would we listen to that? We've got to go and get a clear word, word from the Lord. You know, I was impacted how in our daily reading um, uh, from 1 Samuel to Samuel 23 to now we're in 2 Samuel, but 2 Samuel chapter 5. Did you know David sought out God six times? Six times, see, it says David inquired of the Lord. Six times within those chapters, David inquired of the Lord. He, 
he asked, should I go after the Philistines? And the Lord said, go up. Uh, think about this. David, he, has, he, he had his top fighting army, right? Those guys are strong. He could take them easy. He could have just gone, but he said, Lord, should I go up? And the Lord said, go up. One, t- one of those six times in 2 Samuel 5, he said, David inquired of the Lord, Lord, should we go up and, and, and go rescue our families, you know, when that happened and everything and get the Philistines? The Lord said, no. And then the Lord said, go around to the rear. <laughs> so you see, God has a plan, and that's what we should follow. David went to God first, even with his very capable army against the Philistines. So let's choose, you guys, to listen to God first. And that's how we win against temptation. All right, let's go to the last part here. Number three, the position to uphold in our outline. Number three in our outline, the position to uphold. We saw the place of weakness, the pressure from the devil. This is his tactic. But now, here we can learn from Jesus, the position to uphold. Verse 4 Chapter 4 of Luke. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So I love this. So what's Jesus' comeback? What is, I, I rebuke you, Satan. No. Right? I cast you out of this place. You know, like his power. All against a rock wall or something. Right? No. He turned to Satan and he said, It is Written. What do you do? He came back with scripture, you guys. The word of God. Hebrews 4.12, right? The word is, 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 is sharper, right? Living and, and active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12. Ephesians, right? Six set in the armor of God. That the sword of the spirit is what? The word of God. So Jesus, and we're going to see this in the other temptations, how did he battle the devil? With Scripture, with the Word of God. So we got to take that too. we got to go to the Scripture too. So Jesus says, It is written, A man shall not live by bread alone. Now that's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, the second part of verse 3. In Matthew, in his account, in a parallel account, of the temptation, uh, Matthew writes the whole quote or the whole scripture in uh, Matthew 4. It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Luke just, just uh, gives us that first part, but the complete thing is by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's Jesus quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. And you know what was happening in context back then? Moses was talking to the Israelites. And Moses told him, you know what, you guys, when you were 40 years in the wilderness, remember in Deuteronomy, they're right at the edge of the promised land. They're about to go in. Moses is giving his last words before he dies. All of Deuteronomy is about that. And so he's preaching, he's teaching them. He says, you know, you guys, you guys were 40 years in the wilderness, right? Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. He goes, you guys are 40 years in the wilderness. And you know why? God was testing you. God was testing your obedience. And God was also teaching you. And that's what he's talking about in Deuteronomy 8. God was teaching you to trust God. So if you think about all the things that happened in the wilderness, you see that, right? 
the test of obedience, the trials they went through, you know, trusting God for provision, for the food, for the manna, all that. And, and that's what he's talking about in that chapter. So what a perfect verse, right, to come out, combat the devil, to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm being tested out here in the 40 days of wilderness, but, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, by a word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, you know what? Life is much more than the immediate need here. Man doesn't just live by this food and nourishment and sustenance. Life is much more than than immediate needs. It's about obeying and trusting in God. That's what he's saying here. That's the idea here. Uh, uh, That's what Moses was saying. You guys are tested. And you guys got to know it's not about the manna. It's not about that. It's about obeying God and trusting Him in what He's doing. You know, I think, I think about this. The bread for me represents some real needs. Yeah? I mean, he, Jesus needs that bread to be nourished to live, right? So I, I think bread can represent like physical needs and appetites. Uh, it could be emotional needs too and desires, even material and monetary, monetary needs too. I mean, it's a part of life, right? We need these things to live. But Jesus is saying, it's not everything. Life is not all about getting the bread. It's, it, it's more than those immediate needs. You know what it's about? It's about waiting on God in obedience. Like waiting for His will. It's about trusting the Father to take care of me. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to wait for His goal. Go ahead. Yeah? If He wants me to do that, I'll do that. But I'm not going to do it on my own. And, and, and I'm going to trust God that He's going to take care of the situation. It's not up to me. It's up to the Father. And we know Matthew chapter 4, 11, at the end of the temptations, we don't see it in Luke, but the, God sent the angels to minister to Jesus after uh, Satan left after the three temptations. I believe the angels brought food. And can you imagine? He got angel food cake made in heaven. No, but he got food, right? Yeah. And so G- Jesus was taken care of. What happens in temptation is, is, you know what happens to us? We allow uncontrolled desires yeah, to do what they want as if we don't have God in our life. And that's how Israel lived in the wilderness. They were kind of close, not close, but it wasn't like God was the most important. It was like they were more concerned. Oh no, we're going to die out here, right? We should go back to Egypt. Remember all that? You know? And every step of the way, God provided, but then they got into this, this hard place. Oh no, they forgot everything God did. And all of a sudden, oh no, we're going to die. Oh no, we hate you, Moses. Oh no, he, you know, all this stuff, right? They live like they don't even have God in their life. That's how we live when we, or, or what it's like for us when, when we allow uncontrolled desires to do whatever they want. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, verse 16, I want you to see this. This is important because we're going to be referencing this uh, every time now as we go through the three temptations because I believe what Luke is writing here is coinciding to what John had written here 
in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says here in verse 16, 1 John 2, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The word desires here in the ESV, I know you guys, the New King James is lust, right? Uh, the more accurate uh, translation is desires. Uh, and it speaks about in the Greek word this strong desire, like a strong, uncontrollable desire about wanting and needing things. And so really, you know, lust can be about sex, you know, how you see lusting after someone. But in this sense, it's this strong, uncontrollable desire to want something. And look at the first thing, the desire, the strong, uncontrolled desire of the flesh. And that's what we must be careful about. It's the flesh we're battling. The flesh that wants its own things. The flesh that, well, I, I have the power, I'll just do it. That flesh that doesn't want to live for God. And that's what Satan appeals to. That's what Satan tries to get you to fall is by the flesh. So the position to uphold is this, and this is our last point, and this is the third thing I want you to learn. Put God's word above your wants and needs. Put God's word above your wants and needs. Really, it's our subtitle. Live by the word and not by your wants. Put God's word above your wants and needs. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. There it is. Job has the same thought here, right? Job is saying the same thing that Moses said and what Jesus is quoting. You know, I'm not going to depart from your commandments, God. I'm going to follow your word. I want to do your will. I've treasured your words of your mouth more than food, more than needs. Life is more than just these basic needs here. Love, life is more than physical appetite, more than what our flesh wants. Life is ultimately about following God. So live by the word and not by your wants. Get that in you. You want to win against temptation? Live by the word and not your wants. Put the word of God, put God's will above anything you want or even need at the moment. Because no, God will take care of you. God will be with you. God loves you. And and if you can't see it, no worries. He's there. He's working something. So trust Him and obey Him in His Word. And that's how you can win against this. Put God's Word above your wants and needs. Uh, Let me ask you, are you allowing your sinful flesh to freely just do whatever Satan wants you to do to fall for these, those specific temptations? What's going on in your life? Are you allowing that flesh to go on? You shouldn't. It, under the cross, it's dead. Yeah, We're free, Romans 6, from obeying to being a slave to unrighteousness. We can now be slaves to righteousness, Paul says. No more. We're, that, Christ has freed us from that bondage. We have a choice now. You're more, you guys, than what you struggle with. With whatever temptations you're struggling with, you are more than that, you know. There's more to life than that. 
You, you're a child of God. And as a child of God, you know what you're called to do? God's will. And follow God's word. So let me put it this way. Do you want to do God's will? Or do you want to do the devil's will? Do you want to do his bidding? Obvious, right? No, I want to do God's will. Well, that's why we say no to temptation. That's why we understand this, that, you know, I'm going to live by the word and not by my wants or needs or anything like that. I'm putting God above this. I, I, I'm, I'm putting what's written here above yeah. whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm, what's drawing me. What are you like? Are you one that is constantly a spiritual impulsive person? Are you one who doesn't wait for God and you get ahead of Him? How about this one? Do you operate on emotions and feelings more than what's written here? Watch out if you are, because it's easy to be tempted. Maybe you are struggling with lust. Are you allowing that to control you and not the Holy Spirit? If you're, if, if you're allowing all this to happen, then the devil is getting you to do his bidding, not God's will. So don't be tempted to give in to the devil's plan. His plan is to destroy you, yeah? to bring you down, to keep you in that bondage and, and guilt and condemnation, keep you miserable. His, his, his plan is to get you to focus on who? Me, self, self. Remember I said that's the basic things we're going to see here. That the devil comes in trying to get you to satisfy yourself and, and, and not doing God's will. That's what we see here too. So as we close up here, let God be the master of your life. I'll close with this story. Someone uh, wrote this. Uh, they, they, this man said, I once learned a lesson from a dog we had. My father used to put a bit of meat or biscuit on the floor near the dog and say, no. And the dog knew he must not touch it. But the dog never looked at the meat. He seemed to feel that if he did so, the temptation to disobey would be too great. So he looked steadily at my father's face. And I like that, right? You can see that picture, right? The dog's waiting for the go-ahead from his master, right? He's, he's, he's just waiting for that indication that, boom, if, if when the master says, go eat, then, he, then he's going to go eat. And so the writer says, this is a lesson for us all. Always look up to the master space. That's what we got to do, guys. We got to live by the word, not by your wants or even your needs. And this is how to win against temptation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you did here, God, when you battled Satan. Came at you in this first strike against you, Lord. But Jesus, you won with the word. And you're showing us here that we need to live by the word and not, not, not our wants, God, not even our needs. And they're important, but we've got to trust you in those needs. We've got to trust you in your timing. We've got to trust you in your will and help us to do that very thing, God. Help us to have faith in you. 
Help us not to take things into our own hands. Help us to be aware of our weakest moments, Lord, because we know the devil's going to come and tempt us and try and get us to fall. Lord, help us to wait upon you and then to mound up on wings of eagles to find strength, Lord, that we will not be weary or faint, but you will come to us and aid us and lift us up. God, help us to be more patient. Help us to be more listening for your spirit and not our emotions. Help us, God, to do what you want. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of the sin, Lord, where we've fallen, Lord, into by, because of our temptations, Lord. God, no more. We don't want to do that. Help us be, to be alert, on guard, and have the sword of the Spirit ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all